are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, who can call the rain? Who can, well, yeah. you know? Read about Sasway. <laughs> yeah. You'll find out who can call the rain. Yeah. And who can make the rain go away. And who can make tornadoes go one way or go the other way. And who can make thunderstorms go this way or go that way. People can do it. Because of their they, relationship it, with nature and with the earth. not only they can do it, they do it. Yes. Because of their relationship with the earth yeah. and with the, the incredible yeah. power of right. Mother Earth. And that's the right way to do it. Talking to the clouds, talking to the stones. I mean, this stuff about using technology to defuse hurricanes, idiocy. I haven't, heard, I haven't heard that. I don't think I want to. I don't want to hear that one. You want to give us another brief reading before we go? Well, yeah, I think we we're just Alex? about out of time. And again, uh, you know, Vine Deloria Jr. passing away uh, last Sunday. And uh, we're going to miss we're going to miss you, Vine. Lunchbox on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Good evening. This is Mike. Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food every Thursday at 6:30, and today it's not just any food we're going to talk about. It's heritage foods, food that was more common perhaps a hundred years ago, but has kind of culturally, selectively, somewhat disappeared. But thanks to the efforts of some folks at a place called Heritage Foods USA, is still out there. And we're going to talk to one of the co-founders of Heritage Foods USA in just a moment. But first of all, we're going to talk to the Kinks about uh, this season. Yeah. 
The Kinks and Autumn Almanac. It's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. And I have a guest today. Hello, Patrick. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Certainly. Uh, Patrick is a co founder of Heritage Foods USA. And I guess I'd like to start by asking you what is a heritage food? Well, uh, heritage foods are basically very old varietals of basically heirloom. You could liken the word heritage to heir- the heirlooms of the meat world. So just like they're very old school varieties of tomatoes and seeds, there's also very old school varieties of pigs and chickens and turkeys. And Heritage Foods is an organization that preserves small family farms and increases genetic diversity in the food supply. So this is a lot of food that might have been more common about 100 years ago or more, is that correct? Yeah, not even. I mean, just even 50, 60 years ago, before this became a fast food nation, before the industrialization of our food supply. So that was a big change, it seems. So less than 100 years ago, people actually grew their own food, their own livestock, and all of that. And we've, we're all so used to now this, this mechanized culture. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's basically, you know, uh, we live in a time where, you know, frenzy is mistaken for efficiency, where, you know, everyone is worried about cutting costs and making things as streamlined as possible. And when it comes to food, that's not really a very good formula for good-tasting food or for ethical food or for sustainability. And so what we're trying to do is really give these old-school foods and old-school farmers a kind of opportunity to succeed in this modern era of one-size-fits-all. So how do you uh, help these local farmers? Uh, what do you do for them? Well, basically, we try to help them sell their food. I mean, it's funny. A lot of uh, people have, you know, they go to work and they'll go by, you know, the secretary and then the advertising department and the PR department and then the accounting department and (laughs) there's a legal department, you know, to all these firms. And yet when you think about farmers, 
It's pretty much just them by themselves. They're asked and expected to grow the food, you know, raise the food, bring it to slaughter, sell the food, and it's a very tough uh, destiny to be a small farmer in today's uh, United States. And so what we try to do is provide a kind of support system where we offer uh, the opportunity for them to basically do what they're in it for, for, which is to farm, and we take care of the rest. Uh, the getting the food, the distribution, the sales, the public relations, you know, and this radio show is a good example, you know, uh, of, of something that sometimes farmers have trouble doing by themselves. Okay, well, what are some examples of heritage foods? Well, um, let me think. What would be a good one? Well, an opportune one would be, well, I'll start with pork, and then we could build up to turkeys. Okay. Uh, the red wattle pig was a pig brought to New Orleans in the 18th century, and uh, it came from New Caledonia. And uh, it was actually the, considered the best-tasting pig of that era in New uh-huh. Orleans. And then eventually the breed died out and was thought to be extinct, completely extinct, as the numerous other varieties of pigs and chickens had become in the 18th and 19th centuries. And uh, finally, in about the 1870s, a wild herd resurfaced of the red wattles in the forests of Texas. And uh, about 100 years later, direct descendants of those pigs are being raised for consumption, basically for the first time in 100 years. I mean, what's ironic about food is that you have to eat them in order to save them. Ah. So that was a variety of pig, just like the varieties of dogs and cats. This was a variety of pig that was basically fallen by the wayside completely until, uh, you know, the wild herd resurfaced and until, you know, these farmers within the past four or five years decided to really try to revamp production. And chefs all over the country, including, uh, you know, Eve Arnoff at Eve in Ann Arbor and Brian Paulson at Five Lakes grill uh you know they've been huge supporters of, of of these breeds and think that they're the best tasting you know pigs around and of course the turkey oh yes uh, um the turkey is a big one and that's a heritage breed uh, there are many varieties of turkeys that were on the brink of extinction until frank reese in kansas started to raise more of them so that uh, so that you know people could get a taste of what real turkey is like and they have some great names, don't they, those turkeys? Oh, beautiful names like uh, Narragansett and uh, Jersey Buff and Bourbon Red and American mm. Bronze. And, I mean, it's, uh, they all have histories. You know, the Bourbon Red was first bred in Tennessee in the 1870s. And uh, the Narragansett is a strain of uh, wild turkey that actually mixed with... Uh, uh, Europeans, the Europeans brought the turkeys to Europe and then brought them back and uh, bred those with wild turkeys. And so that's a, uh, another breed. And uh, what's really on a very environmental level very important is that these are also not just different tastes and histories, but also different genetics. And a safe food supply is a biodiverse food supply. You never want to put all your eggs in one basket. So the more types of people you have, the more types of chickens, uh, you know, the more type of anything you have, uh, the safer things are. 
And you also, I'm um, oh, sorry, the go Genetic ahead. diversity is very important. I mean, the potato famine in Ireland in the 1870s happened because there was only one type of potato being raised. There were numerous types of potatoes that would have resisted that novel pathogen, that sickness, and yet they didn't have them. They had all their eggs in that one potato basket. And so we, especially with food safety and ovarian flu, you would want to know that there are many genetics going around and thriving so that if five out of the six varieties are susceptible to variant chicken flu, you would hope there would be that one that has the genetics to resist that sickness. And so that's a very ecological reason for maintaining these genetics. Right, and that's true with allergies, too. You want to eat all kinds of foods and not just have one kind. Exactly, and when the when, when allergy season comes, there's 30% of people get allergies, or 50%, but you never get 100% of people, and that shows that, you know, with, within humans, uh, you know, there's various types of, of types and sizes and genetics, and yet, of the 260 million turkeys consumed in the, U- in the U.S. each year, every single one of them, except for the 10, 15,000 that we raise, are all one variety. Butterball? The broad-breasted white. The broad-breasted white. It shows you how bad things had gotten. I mean, it was really a situation of the Halliburtons of the world totally dominating and running our food supply. And uh, it was just time for, you know, someone to actually push back and uh, try to get, uh, you know, one in for the little guys. So I understand Heritage Foods USA is selling more and more food over the years. Yeah, I mean, the way we kind of track things, I mean, most businesses would track it just through financials. I mean, what we try to do is track it through the population increases of these breeds. So there used to be about 180, 200 of these heritage turkeys, uh, for instance, you could take American bronze. There were like 100, 180 of them around in 2001. Now there are about six, 7,000. So it's been upgraded from the conservation list, you know, of endangerment, ironically, because people are eating them more. Uh, individually, the turkeys are probably unhappy, but collectively <laughs> as a species, they're, they're, they're thriving now. And uh, same with the red bottle pig. It was the rarest of all American pork varieties. And now, thanks to Five Lakes Grill and Eve and, and uh, places, um, you know, around the country in New York and San Francisco and Chicago, more and more people are starting to consume, uh, chefs and, and consumers alike, to seek out these tastes, these stories. And it's having a huge, you know, uh, culinary and ecological effect. Well, Patrick, what are, how can people find out more about Heritage Foods USA? Well, we're, we're all about slowness and old school stuff, but we do have a website, uh-huh. which is actually a lot of fun. We, uh, we totally believe in traceability. One minute remains. If you log on to our website, we have uh, webcams on some of our farms, and we even provide a barcode with every piece of food that we ship. And you type in that barcode number onto our homepage, and it'll reveal all this information about the farm and the abattoir and, uh, and, and the food and the production protocol. So it's a fun site. It's Heritage Foods with an S. 
www.ncpusa.com. And uh, we have an array of foods from Native American grains to pork to lamb to salmon. And, uh, you know, it's a tad expensive, but I guarantee you that uh, once you taste it, uh, you'll think it's uh, the best food ever, your money back. Well, Patrick, Martin, thank you so much for talking to us. Yeah, it's been an honor. Thank you so much for your support, and happy Thanksgiving. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. I've been talking to Patrick Martin of Heritage Foods USA. And I don't know if you heard that voice saying, one minute remaining. That that just really uh, makes things happen much more quickly, doesn't it? This is Pandora's Lunchbox, a show about food. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Heritage Foods USA and other food items. But first of all, a festive Thanksgiving song. Uh, Alex, who has helped me by engineering, has a festive Thanksgiving song uh, on play. Can you do that, Alex? This is John Lennon.
perhaps one of the most festive holiday tunes. This is John Lennon and Cold Turkey. John Lennon is reacting to eating too many butterball turkeys all of his life. And that's why he needs to find out about Heritage Foods USA and Heritage Foods in general. I was talking earlier to a co-founder of Heritage Foods uh, who told me about beautiful heritage turkeys and 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 crops, grains and things like that are available from various farmers and things around the country. Heritage Foods USA, the co-founder I spoke to there, Patrick Martin. Another co-founder, uh, Todd Wickstrom, I understand, is now packing 10,000 turkeys. So he's a little busy. I think we all generally deal with perhaps one turkey at a time, mostly, but he's got uh, 10,000 of them, so he's got a lot to pack. And again, you can find out more about Heritage Foods in general and this particular website at heritagefoodsusa.com. Now I'm going to go do some other food information. There's a lot of food news going on right now. There's a food company in West Michigan that actually contacted the FDA about an issue that they felt was important, this company called Calsec of Kalamazoo. This is from the Associated Press. A Michigan food and spice company is petitioning the FDA to prohibit the use of carbon monoxide in consumer meat packaging. Mmm, carbon monoxide. Calsec of Kalamazoo packages meat using traditional methods without carbon monoxide and is challenging the notion that carbon monoxide in food is safe. The practice is done to keep the meat red and fresh looking. Calsec says that can hide spoilage. The American Meat Institute Foundation disputes the company's argument, saying scientific evidence shows that using carbon monoxide is safe. The FDA accepted the practice as safe last year in response to requests from two other food companies. It is outlawed in the European Union. There you have it. Nice, delicious, fresh red meat with the most succulent carbon monoxide available. Now, there's some news also about uh, KFC that I want to talk about. I don't usually like to talk too long about them, but there's been a few interesting items going on about KFC. KFC. That's right. That's what they're called. Now, a hip-hop mogul, which looks good on a business card, a hip-hop mogul has joined critics of KFC. Impresario Russell Simmons has joined other celebrities and activists who have criticized Kentucky Fried Chicken, saying he will call for a boycott if the company doesn't reform its slaughter practices. Simmons called slaughter practices used by the fast food chain suppliers grossly inhumane and has filmed a commercial showing some of the very worst abuses chickens undergo before they are served to customers. Simons, who is chairperson of Def Jam Records and is a vegan, said he has talked to officials of Yum! Brands, mm, the parent company of KFC, and said he will release the ad and start a boycott if the company does not reform its practices. When a company targets our community, disrespects us as consumers, and sells us products ridden with negative energy and laced with toxins, that is our business, says Simmons. Other celebrities and activists who have raised their voices against KFC include the Reverend Al Sharpton, comedian and social activist Dick Gregory, actress Pamela Anderson, and musician Paul McCartney. And here's the part we expect. Yum! Brands Vice President Jonathan Blum disputed Simmons' claim. We have an independent panel of outside experts who set our high standards, said Blum. They are the same standards that all of our competitors use to ensure human treatment around the country. I think it may be different at heritage foods type places, but that's just my personal opinion. Now, here's something else very important. Nude protesters ruffle feathers. (laughs) This is from Hong Kong. Two naked animal rights protesters attracted hundreds of onlookers in one of Hong Kong's busiest shopping streets on Monday of this week. Actually, sorry, the end of last month. But anyway, this is important. Causing the closure of a main road and a heated exchange with police. 
The two women, painted deathly gray and lying in cardboard coffins covered in flowers, pulled the Halloween stunt, aha, outside a branch of fast food chain Kentucky Fried Chicken in the Causeway Bay District. This is in Hong Kong. Their call for a boycott of the chain over its alleged mistreatment of chickens was almost lost as a huge crowd jostled for a better view of shapely protesters Korean Christina Cho from Seoul and American Brandy Valadolid from Scottsdale, Arizona. The police were worried by the size of the crowd we were attracting, said Jason Baker, a spokesperson for People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, the international animal rights group behind the spectacle. Police closed the road and pavement and called for reinforcements as the crowd of onlookers swelled and eager passersby clamored into the melee to take photos. Nervous officers told Baker to call off the protest after 30 minutes, and a police van with flashing sirens escorted the women as they left the scene in a taxi. In three years of protesting in Hong Kong, I have never seen anything like this, says Baker. The protesters have already taken their stunt to Tokyo and Seoul and plan next to cause a stir in Singapore. It doesn't say here whether they had a private meeting with President Bush while he traveled to Asia, but uh, that's another story and another show entirely. Well, Pandora's Lunchbox is slowly winding down. And Arwolf is going to help you face the music in just a moment at 7 o'clock. Thank you, Arwolf, for for helping me engineer this show, along with Alex, who helped me too. And just another mention, Heritage Foods USA. You can actually go to their website and see their mission statement and a lot of Heritage Food recipes, including one by Chef Alice Waters, who runs Chez Panisse in, in California, and whose edible garden, actually, is that the exact name of it? But her garden was devised in California for a chance for children in schools to learn more about life beyond just buying fast food and things like that. And there has been an answer to that in Ann Arbor. And Todd Wickstrom of Heritage Foods USA and of the Agrarian Adventure will be with us in the next few weeks to talk about how that's going. But just a parting shot here. This is very important because it is about food. In Kenya, there is a referendum coming up on November 21st. The two sides of the debate are called bananas and oranges. Now, this is not actually a food-oriented referendum, but that is the name of the two camps of people who are on either side of the of the referendum. Now, this is from the BBC News, just a little information on it. Uh, critics of the document, the, the Kenyans are voting on a referendum, on a draft constitution that has stirred bitter and sometimes violent debate The main issues, executive authority, the latest draft constitution waters down clauses hammered out at the National Constitution Conference of 2003 to 2004. The conference called for a strong prime ministerial role, but the revised draft delivers a more powerful presidency instead, making the president both head of state and government. The religious courts, the initial draft sought the retention of Islamic courts, but protests from Christian leaders led to amendments to allow for other types, namely Christian, Hindu, and traditional civil courts. And land reform, the draft calls for a radical land reform which has stirred anxiety among owners of large land tracts, especially in the fertile Rift Valley region. There's a lot more you can read about the situation in Kenya and about the issue, and it's on the web pretty much everywhere nowadays. The referendum coming up on Monday. But again, the leaders of the campaigns, one is called the Bananas, and one is called the Oranges. These are the two groups. Now, this is something which helps me understand it. Here we go. Some roads will be closed in the city where there will be a protest coming up to avoid a clash between the two. A police officer says no orange supporter would be allowed to use Landhees Road and Haley Selassie Avenue to access the venue. Similarly, no banana supporter will be permitted to access Uhuru Park through Ngong Road and Haley Selassie Avenue. 
really doesn't say much, does it, when I read it so fast? But nonetheless, you can look up more about that on the web under the latest going on in Kenya. This has been Pandora's Lunchbox. I've been Mike for at least a half an hour. Thank you for letting me do that. Arulf is going to help you face the music in mere moments. But in the meantime, we have a special song for you. And this is one that is very relevant to today's political situation and to events happening all around us right now. These are the Hoosier Hot Shots. And I like bananas because they have no bones. Thank you. Make no bones about it. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. I stood by the fruit. 